I felt that. Um, Hang on, it's about to start. Now it started. Okay. No, I just had this moment, a, a series of moments recently, where realizing um, on your note about meaninglessness and meaning, um, I think interdependence informs so much about impermanence, right? That nothing is exists without depending on all the prior factors that come before and that this essentially makes everything kind of like a dream as it were or like i've heard that that image of like soap bubbles or, or froth just coming in and out of existence very quickly that's what thoughts are though not just thoughts everything all beings well that's the thought that's still a thought it's still a concept Right, right. The reality is, is that it's the thoughts that are coming and going. The reality, we really don't have much of a clue of because we're not really looking at, at reality at the level it could be. Now, here's the thing, is, is that now the physicist, by investigating thoroughly what is the speed of light, because they're revisiting that big time now, and they're recognizing one that you can't measure accurately the speed of light, because it's got to be some sort of round trip. It's relative, yeah. Yeah, it's relative. So with that, knowing that they can't even properly measure the speed of light, they're now asking the questions of what's the causality of the speed of light. Why does it have various speeds? Right. And they're going down to the nano by the nano by the nanosecond. In fact, they're down to the level of, which, by the way, coincides somewhat with those people doing the mathematics back into the Big Bang as to how close to the beginning can you get. Mm. And that would be <clears throat> for us now at a, at a level is what is a quantum of time? And it looks to be about 10 to the minus 80th of a second. As in, that's the smallest unit? That is the, the unit. That's mm. the only unit there is, and that is the quantum. And mm. everything is packetized. Everything is quantumized. Mm. Everything comes as a package. And if there's not enough for a package, you don't have a package. If you've got too much for a, of a package, you mm. still have a package. Mm. Mm. Okay, this was the whole concept of an atom in the first place. And the Greeks thought about this. What is it that you can get to to where things are not cuttable anymore? Right. And they came up with an atom. And in the 18th century, the, uh, some Europeans grabbed that word and stuck it onto what we know now as an atom, but is in fact not an atom. It's not uncuttable. Because mm. we cut it regularly. How now that we've passed that as the atom, what really is the atom that is truly atomic? Because we've been down there to the quarks, we've been down there to the uh, uh, the standard model, down through the Higgs boson, and what is all of that going on is, is that it's just kind of a dance or a vibration of what they're calling strings or string theory. Right. Okay? right. What is the vibrational frequency of those strings is this frequency that's so high that it's 10 to the minus 80th of a second. That's so is this, like a, is this like a unit of time then? Yes, it is a unit of time whereby there is no unit smaller than that unit mm -hmm. of time. That's mm -hmm. the smallest unit of time there is. And it is so minute that there's no possible way for humans to ever actually measure that. 
because mm. any measurement instrument has going to have to do a whole bunch of those things before they can measure one of them. Sorry. <laughs> right, right, right. But I was going to say that this this sense that everything is constantly fluxing in and out and this impermanence and this interdependence gives this marvelous feeling of meaninglessness, as you put it. In other words, that 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 everything is coming and going and you can just let that pulse without holding on. But then I guess you're telling me that I'm also creating I am holding on by creating this mental construct to try and understand it. Right. Ah, but it's okay to make that mental construct so of the understanding so that then you can drop both the concept and the clinging to the thing that you now can conceptually understand. Right. So there's always one more level and, of letting go. Ex exactly. And, mm. and congratulations for beginning to understand this. And here's another way of saying it is that things are happening so fast that we're actually in a very, very high speed movie. Yes. And that in another way of thinking is, is that what a movie is, is nothing but a series of photographs. And we kind of get stuck at the photographic level instead of standing back and watching the movie as a movie. An example of that is walking into a, um, an opera theater and look at the stage with the stage scenery and the stage sets the way that they are and think that that's the whole play. Yeah. And that, and that what wisdom is all about is having a mind that's steady and constant so that we can look, <clears throat> gather data, and then don't come to a conclusion, but we look and we continue to look and we continue to look so that we begin to get a whole stream of data. And now we can make a much better prediction about what all of this data means rather mm. than jumping to a conclusion before we have enough data. Mm. Okay. And, and I that, is the Buddha's right noble view mm. is to keep looking, keep investigating, keep wisely uh, observing and stop coming to conclusions, especially mm. those that are premature. And guess mm. what? All of them are. Right. But a few of them linger. And one of the ones that yes. I see lingering for me is, is that it's good to keep breathing. That's just a concept, but it's a lingering concept. And, and so long as I see that and do my duty to that. And so it's wisely understanding what concepts are worth having. And wisely chucking out all of those that wind up making us feel bad. Like you don't work, you don't eat. Right. It's just right. a concept. And so basically what that means then is that we come out of living in concepts long enough to see that most of our living is done in concepts. And so now we can conceptualize wisely or not conceptualize at all and just I, see what's going on. Yeah, I feel that the parts of you that live in concepts are essentially dead or deadened, not forever, but they're kind of switched off if during like. the concept during yeah. the concept <laughs> yeah. when that little movie is playing we're not paying attention to the real movie that's going yeah. on all yeah. over yeah and i found don't know mind that that zen concept was was very useful for for releasing these frameworks of understanding mm -hmm. but many people try to take it too far mm. Uh, in the sense that they think that they're supposed to stop the mind from thinking altogether. 
rather than guiding the mind into thinking wholesomely, mm. they want to stop the whole show. And they don't know how to do that, and so they wind up frustrated. Mm. Where, in fact, if your mind is completely wholesome, one wholesome thought after another, you can begin to let gaps occur between the wholesome thoughts, knowing that when the thought starts back up again, it's going to be another wholesome thought. And so you begin to make the gaps wider and wider. And that's the way one develops that kind of no mind, is just living in the gap. Between the thoughts. Mm. Well, what are we doing with those mind moments between those thoughts? Is now we're spending actually that mind moment in the looking and the observation of how good we feel. That's actually taking the focus off of the wholesome thoughts and putting the whole of the focus then upon how wonderful I feel based upon these wholesome thoughts that I've just given myself. So now I can put a, gaps in the wholesome thoughts. It's almost like getting an engine cranked up. you got to turn and crank and crank and crank and crank until it gets it going, and now it'll go on its own. So you're sort of incentivizing. And now you don't need to crank. Right. Now you don't have to crank. You're incentivizing the mind to stay in, in, in a wholesome sweet place. moment. Yeah in a wholesome state, mm. a joyful, free from fear. And that's really good to be completely free from fear, completely mm. satisfied, completely comfortable. And with that feeling of completely satisfied and comfortable comes the juicy part. And that is completely successful. Wow, I can do it. That's the Sankapa part of the Eightfold Noble Path, is that feeling of, yes, I can. No matter how obstructed with hindrances my mind get, I can clean that stuff out and come back to the present moment happily and see the way things that actually they are. Mm. That's the first knowledge of the Buddha, he says. This is the first step on the path. That's an important point. The first step on the path is the knowledge that no matter what happens, I can come out of that and come back into the here now and enjoy the moment as it really is. And it feels it feels like this constant cycle of building up new faculties with which to purge these unwholesome thoughts anew, if you like. It feels like this mm -hmm. cycle of doing it over and over and over in deeper and deeper ways. No, just more repetitive ways. It's sort of like polishing a table. Okay. How deep do you have to polish? The answer to that is you have to pot not deep. You can rub on the same spot over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, trying to make it deep when what you really need to do is to rub all over the table over right. and over and over again. And then you're going to get a polished table. Okay, okay. Okay, and that's what we're meaning by this, is by that rubbing over and over and over again, it begins to shine. When it's shiny, let it shine. You don't have to keep rubbing on it. You don't have to go too deep. Right. That makes sense. Because you're never going deeper than the conscious mind, really, when you're doing uh, that. Deep is greatly overrated in uh, Western Buddhism, and it's not even a concept for the Buddha. Okay. He wants to take you up to let go. 
Go fly high in the air of a happy mind, not deep into the garbage. Why should you dig in the dirt? I mean, that's all you're going to find when you go digging in the dirt is you're going to just find a bunch of dirt. And that's what we're getting out of. I mean, why do you want to go deep? It just doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I guess the Western <laughs> the Western the Western mindset is to exhume these corpses that are buried inside your psyche and to sort of throw them out. Yeah, and the Buddhist job uh, uh, says you, there's no end to the digging you're going to be doing. Stop the digging wow. and ignore the corpses. There's no end. Okay. There's no end to it. That, that also makes a lot of sense. I think it's kind of idealistic to think you can just purify the mind completely in that way. But you can't purify the mind completely by ignoring the corpses completely. Right, right, right. And what are you going to do with them when you dig them up? Now you've got a great big pile of them on the surface. Now you really have to deal with them. Why don't you leave them buried in the past where they're dead and buried? <laughs> and so every time one of the spooks come up, we say, nope, back in your hole. <laughs> back, go, out of here. You're dead mm. now. Mm. Interesting. Okay. That's a new angle for me, I think. Absolutely. That's the whole yeah. point is to try to give the students a new angle on things so that they stop looking at it from the point of view that Western Buddhism has given them and start taking a more holistic roundabout view of seeing what's really going on in the mind. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Demarato. I have to go. Oh, well, it's been just a few minutes. <laughs> I know. I know. I'll try and call you earlier next week. But... All right. Well, I we'll see you. And please uh, join us on the Sangha calls. I will. I'll, I'll search it on Skype. Okay. We'll see you on uh, the, the Skype Sangha calls. Thank you. Tommy, very much. a bit of joy. Thanks, Demarato. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>